Welcome to the Rest and Recovery Podcast. This is a podcast on life's most effective healing tools, rest and recovery, through expert advice, wellness methods, and self-care. Hello, hello, everyone. Thank you for listening. And before we jump into this next episode, I wanted to share with you the release of my first and of many courses, and this is a free one, and it's based on sleep. As you know, this whole podcast is rooted in my own historical challenges with sleep and decided to learn more about it. And I've put together the beginnings of a number of things that will be coming out this year and in the future. And this first one is free, and it's Your Best Sleep Blueprint. And it's a great framework to get you started to launch into reclaiming your sleep and reclaiming your health. Uh, This will be a great Kickstarter, and uh, I hope you enjoy it. Please check out bestsleepblueprint.com. That's bestsleepblueprint.com. It's free, and I would encourage you to join in. It's just eight videos, and share it far and wide because there are a lot of people out there struggling with sleep, and I would love to be able to help serve them in some way. So thank you for listening, and enjoy this nest episode. There's so many times where I wish I hit record on some of the just random banter. Just Yeah, yeah. But uh-huh. sometimes we get the best stuff. It's the, yeah. it's the banter before the, the recording. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's something about like that go and you, you, you tighten up and then you turn it off and it's anyway. All right. Well, welcome to another episode of the Restroom Recovery Podcast. I am honored to have back Mr. Elias Arjan. He is a, a corporate executive in the biohacking or, or biosphere, how we'll call it, uh, a speaker, analyst, and researcher on longevity, health span, and biotechnology. So Elias, great to have you back on. Great to be here, Scott. Appreciate you having me. Yeah. Uh, you know, we were talking offline. It's it's pretty cool to meet folks virtually. We haven't met in person just yet. Uh, but gotten to know you over the last two plus years and following the things you're doing and the evolution in my short time frame, kind of in the health, wellness, biohacking space, um, how quickly it's evolving, changing. Uh, it's exciting, scary, but, uh, and you're, you're right, <laughs> of it, uh, all of it. So it'll be fun to kind of get your perspective as somebody who's deep in it uh, on, on all the things. Yeah, that's great. Well, thank you for that, Scott. Uh, definitely, I feel like it's been really a fortunate opportunity for me because I really have been in the sort of front li- lines of sort of this cutting edge exploration of health science and the transformation because it's pretty clear to anyone paying attention, humanity is at an inflection point. Yeah. Uh, you know, culturally, socially, uh, environmentally. Uh, and then, of course, the, the health piece is something that I've obviously you and I have both, you know, share the passion in that. But really, this inflection point is so big, it, it really impacts everybody everywhere in one way or another across the whole world. And, you know, COVID really kind of showed that, right? Because, you know, there was not a single part of the earth that was not impacted by that. And that was sort of a multi-layered crisis, it wasn't yeah. just uh, a single thing. But I guess what I've been trying to focus on now is like, you know, over the last 18 months, I've been traveling a lot and speaking and, and going to a lot of conferences and trying to get my finger right on the pulse of where people are now, because I feel like I was talking about these things pre pandemic and, you know, uh, I love uh, not to brag, but I love the fact that I was on television in November of 2019 saying we could use wearable technology to predict flu outbreaks. (laughs) <laughs> and I was on California Live saying that. And a lot of people were calling me kind of crazy for saying wearables would be that useful. Yeah. And then, of course, fast forward a year later, and then during the pandemic, it was like, well, why didn't we use wearables to be better aware of what's going on? So, And then all of a sudden, all the wearable companies exploded yeah. to provide that service. So, so I do feel like I've proven myself to be a little bit of a futurist in the sense that I've been able to see a lot of these things coming and and kind of be in that innovator zone where I'm like, just I'm picking up the new things before everyone else realizes it. So that's why, like, for example, this year I was at CES, you yeah. know, going and looking at all of the health companies and, and really examining what they're doing and where it's going. And maybe we can get into that. You know, what I, I basically have really 
uh, have a very strong perspective now of where I think the, uh, you know, the health, wellness, and even medical industry are potentially going in the next, uh, you know, five to 10 years based upon what's happening. But obviously, it's a very, it's a rapidly moving space. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it is rapidly moving. And, it, you know, as a, an observer and a bit of a um, micro version of a biohacker, I guess, a novice at best, but curious mind on all the, con the, the, the convergence of all those things. And it, it is an interesting um, evolution of all the, the integration of, like you had mentioned, those four categories of medical health, fitness, uh, and, and I guess what's the fourth one? That I'm well, say? it's actually, I usually put it in those in three categories. I say we're at a converge, I say we're at a convergence point where the medical industry, which is uh, globally a, you know, 12 to $14 trillion industry. It's like amongst the biggest industries in the world. Uh, and then the wellness industry, which is a four to $5 trillion global industry. And then the fitness industry, which is funny because I always thought the fitness industry would be bigger comparatively economically, yeah. but it's actually about a $1 trillion industry. So, mm -hmm. so those three industries are converging in a new way into a field called longevity. And so I, I, and just as a side note, you mentioned biohacking and I know I've called myself a biohacker for the last five to 10 years, but I've kind of disavowed myself of that term. Okay. Uh, and if, we, if you want, we can get into why. Um, but just to finish this first thought, so that medic, so I basically, you know, I've been traveling around and giving this talk, uh, which is sort of like the future. Sometimes I call it the future of wellness, but I introduce that the future of wellness is actually longevity. Okay. And I explain why. So it's basically medicine, wellness, and fitness are converging. And longevity is essentially the amalgamation of those three things to extend human health span. Okay. Because if you look at it, we have the medical industry has done a great job of extending lifespan. Right. So we live longer and we, but we physiologically peak between 35 and 45 and we cognitively peak between 45 and 55. And then we have the inevitable decline into old age, infirmary and death by 75, 80. And that's great. You know, it's a great achievement. That's the combination of, you know, medical science. We can preserve life. You know, we can keep people sick longer, right? right. Which is not really a, a pleasant idea. Uh, we also have a lot of things around, so, you know, social development around like hygiene and better health systems in general. And people are able to, you know, we have way lower child mortality, you know, in 19 and uh, 19 and sorry, in 1850, you know, the average lifespan was below 40. So we've it gone from and a lot of that was because of child mortality. So right. across like across the normative averages. Um, but now, you know, people are living 75 plus some people, you know, and some people are healthy, but they tend to be, you know, we all know that person. We all have that like grandfather, you know, right. or grandmother who lived to 90 and she, they were active and they were doing stuff and they were cognitively strong. But unfortunately, that's still like the exception and not the norm. Yeah. And so, a lot so, of it on that, it's too, on the tail end of that, that tenure of our life. It's full of doctor visits, medications, all to sustain them and yes. that degraded quality of life. So you're like living a half-life because you're not vibrant, you're not energized, you're just kind of humming along. And I guess that's probably better than <laughs> being dead at 65 rather than 85. Right. But at the same time, we want to be able to enjoy that time as well and not spend it transporting from one medical facility to the next to your home right, and getting surgeries and getting like hip replacements and right. knee replacements right. and you know different you know kidney dialysis and you know constantly being like injecting medications and and dependent yeah. on insulin because the pancreas is broken down so like all of those things so that's why health span is sort of the new goal it's not lifespan like we got lifespan down you know i mean if we can live we, we've proven we can live beyond 100 years but the next goal is health span so how do we extend that prime period of life beyond say the 50s 40s and 50s 
and continue that. So you're, you're lit. So like, you know, that, that you hear the people saying like, you know, 50 is the new 20, right. right you know? Right. And so, you know, that's kind of, or 50 is the new 30. So I think that's actually kind of really in many ways, the goal, right? So how do you turn 50 into the new 30, then 80 will be the new 50. Right. right. And we do have the ability to do this. Unfortunately, uh, the tools that we're using right now are uh, out of the reach of most people because they're expensive, they're cash pay. Uh, but still, the bottom the bottom line is is the top three are still things we can all control, which is our behaviors. Mm-hmm. And the three yeah. behaviors are sleep, getting enough sleep, getting enough mm-hmm. rest and recovery. Name yeah. the podcast, right? Uh, getting really good nutrition, which is extremely difficult, especially in the U.S. You know, there's food additives that are legal in the U.S. that are illegal everywhere else in the world. Yeah, it's, so it's a it's a hard place to stay nutritionally balanced. Is the U.S. That's why obesity is rampant here. And then, of course, exercise. So those are the three things that if you're doing, then you know you can at least control those things to the best of your ability. And then everything else comes on top of that. So a lot of people jump past those basic behaviors and start thinking, you know, I need to start biohacking. It's like right. no, right. if you're not dealing with your sleep. You're not dealing, you're not exercising and you're not, haven't dialed any nutrition, nothing else will matter. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I think, uh, it's interesting where, you know, it add a fourth one of mindset to some of that, um, because of our perceptions and perspectives of all the different things and then how we've been. Hello, everyone. I am really excited to introduce uh, my sponsor, Bio Optimizers. If you're not familiar with them, they make some of the highest quality grade supplemental products out there. Um, being my, uh, honestly, my first sponsorship, um, I didn't want to put anything out there that I didn't try, use, uh, or get behind. And um, really excited that that they've just released their new and improved formula for magnesium breakthrough, which is the most powerful magnesium supplement on the market today. And if you know anything about magnesium, it's a critical mineral for our health and is a precursor to quality rest to help produce melatonin. And so using this new fourth generation formula, magnesium breakthrough, uh, it's potent, it's effective, and it will help reduce your stress, improve sleep, and overall boost your energy levels. So uh, I've already taken this, as I mentioned before, and you'll want to try this. I mean, it's it's uh, I've given a number of them out for free to friends, uh, and they've really enjoyed it. So if you've never tried it before, now's the time to do it. Uh, you can use the code REST10 at checkout. Again, REST, R-E-S-T. 10 at checkout in every bottle of magnesium you'll get seven unique form forms of organic full spectrum magnesium which is can dramatically improve your health as i mentioned it can help you sleep longer and deeper reduce your stress levels and help you feel calm and if you give give you abundant all-day energy to win at life and as you know that's ultimately in line with the vision of this podcast is to live this one life well to through rest and recovery and nothing uh, is going to help much more than magnesium breakthrough so check it out again rest 10 r-e-s-t 10 i'm not accusing anyone but (laughs) <laughs> how we've designed the medical health space and, and being reactionary into that kind of like pill popping methodology rather right. than looking at lifestyle. And when you, you look, you, you mentioned lifestyle adjustments, people look at you funny and, right. and you're like, well, you know, I don't want to be like my grandmother cause she has diabetes, but then you continue to eat in a way in which Right, a high a high sugar diet where you're eating tons of carbs and right. you're going to burn out your pancreas and your insulin all of a sudden you're going to be dependent on insulin so you're going to become a type 2 diabetic which is what's happening to one in three americans right as they get older right they develop yeah. type 2 diabetes so it's not like it's a and and to be quite honest you know metabolic dysfunction is even more rampant than that you know it's estimated to be around 90 percent of americans are metabolically dysfunctional so these yeah. numbers are just extreme yeah. And, it, it, and so how do you, I mean, maybe this is, you know, the world peace uh, thought, but how do you transform that perspective 
to try and inform folks. I don't want to say that the, the sky is falling, but like you're unhealthier than you realize. Like right. that metabolic dysfunction, like everybody, most, many people, like you're saying, there's numbers out there that are astronomical that most of society, or at least in the US, uh, are in that borderline, uh, you know, diabetic phase that they're right diabetic or pre-diabetic or likely to develop to go to transition into pre-diabetic and eventually becoming type 2 diabetic so yeah that's a very it is it is a little bit of a the sky is falling uh reality and but i think the 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 thing that i've realized over the last little while is that um as much as i believe in individual responsibility i think we need to also look at the systems Mm -hmm. and the incentives and the way we've structured even the conversations around what's important in our society. Um, uh, E.O. Wilson, I think, summarized this best, uh, is the the challenge of modern humans is that we have Paleolithic emotions, (laughs) medieval institutions, and godlike technology. And that's that has become sort of, uh, and I learned that from Tristan Harris and the team at uh, the Centers for Humane Technology, who have been talking about this. But it, I, I really do now think in that term about everything I do, because if you're approaching a human being, you got to remember you're dealing with a Paleolithic emotional being that has mm-hmm. the brains that go back to you know our hunter gatherer ancestors that's literally how we're still wired in spite of all the that physiology in the world yeah 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 like the, the actual you know you spoke about mindset like that's actually the mindset we still have the mindset of hunter gatherers yeah. right but then we live in a world where the the institutions were developed in medieval times and to be quite honest we've changed them you know they they, they served a purpose and they and they've gotten us to this point in in our evolution but they're now definitely breaking down right so we have this collapse of institution we have this collapse of social trust um so we're, we're facing that as a challenge because the godlike technology has suddenly appeared in our lives and we can't reconcile these two other things and yeah. so when you realize that when you really really understand what that means then you can start to think about how can you help that's kind of what I, I've spent the last like 18 months doing is trying to travel around and, and just meet people and look at the industry and look at where people are and try to figure out, well, what's what's the thing I can do to help that I can contribute to, you know, deal with the challenges that humanity is facing right now? Because we all we all can roll up, roll up, roll up our sleeves and take a piece of the problem, right? Because mm-hmm. it's not it's not going to be. There's not, there's no one, you know, I think there's that very famous thing, people, like there's no one coming to save you. Right. So that's, that's an individual level, but that's even at a societal level. Like there's not somebody else who's just like the aliens aren't just going to land and take away all our problems. Right. It'd be great, but I don't see them coming right now. So so we've got to do it ourselves. If not me, then who, if not when, if not now, then when? Yeah. It's that, that mentality that we need to. So, so I'm starting to move a little bit. Uh, more from yes, I still focus on individual responsibility. Uh, what you can do as an individual to control the health in your own life, but we also need to just recognize that it's not just up to the individual. It's like there's a lot of systems that are in place, and there's a lot of education that's missing. And so I think that's what's really important, you know. And uh, because of this sort of challenge or crisis of our time. Um, you know, people are having mixed levels of responses and, uh, and, you know, maybe we can get into that a little bit as well. Yeah. I mean, let's dig into that because there, my, my brain goes in about four different directions. Uh, but yeah, let's, let's uh, keep going down that path. Well, so, I mean, the way I, I see it is, you know, I mean, I'm sure everyone knows, you know, uh, anxiety and depression, the depre- uh, rates of anxiety and depression are like through the roof. And that's kind of justifiable in the face of what the internet feeds you, right? Because the internet is designed to feed you the most sort of salacious, extreme messaging. And you look at, you know, younger people who didn't have the opportunity to sort of develop their brains without that. And so that's all they're getting exposed to, right? Is all of this like intense information. So in the face of that, you know, any of us, regardless of our age or or perception, like I consider myself to be an ex- pretty extreme optimist, but it's hard to not get overwhelmed by the absolute 
bombardment of negativity that comes through online messaging. You know, you, you open it up or you turn on the news and it's just like this absolute, like everything is wrong. Everything is broken. Everyone is unhappy, you know, type of messaging. So, you know, one of the first things I like to do is I just minimize my exposure to that, you know, because as they say, you have to focus on what's in your immediate environment that you can control, Mm -hmm. you know, because that, so, so I think, you know, ultimately because of this challenge, you know, there's kind of a couple different ways you can approach it is, yeah, I mean, a lot of people are just kind of, you know, overwhelmed, feeling very depressed and anxious and kind of frozen in place. And they're really not able to do a lot. And some of these people even pull themselves out of the workforce, you know, so it's, yeah. a, it's a, it's a, it's a difficult reset, thing. Right. What, or what the great re- uh, retirement or whatever it was. Called. Yeah. 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 A lot of people just said, I'm not, well, if they could retire, that's actually what happened during COVID. Yeah. That's why we lost a lot of high level professionals, pilots, doctors, nurses, they finally just said, you know what, I made enough money, I'm done. I'm just walking away from the whole thing. I don't need this anymore, you know, and they were, some of them are relatively young, they could have even been in their late 40s, you know, early 50s, they could have had another 10, 15 years in is being top of their field. And we lost them. Right? Those, those right now, do you know what the, you know, they're paying pilots, like, like to join some of the airlines, they're paying like bonuses, like $50,000 bonuses to sign. Wow. Because they're so desperate to get pilots, you know, and so, um, so yeah, all those people walked away um, because they're just like, I'm done and they're, they're okay. They're fine. We don't need to worry about them. It's more the the younger people that are like, you know, kind of stuck in their parents' basement, sort of cowering yeah. in fear of the world. Like that's the people I'm personally more concerned about uh, is how do we help them and help them. You know, I mean, and I don't think psychedelic therapy is the only way out, you know, although that's becoming, you know, ubiquitous now to try to help people with their depression and anxiety. Yeah. And that's, that's a whole other thing too, of like trying to break the paradigms. Right. Um, But I think a lot of what we're talking about too, to the corporate aspect that I think the trust factor has really imploded in, in, in every level, in every domain. Well, do you know what's funny? Do you know where? Do you know who people trust the most, still of 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 all of the different systems of the all of all the institutions we have? Do you know where the general public still has the most trust? I'm afraid to find out. Well, what's fascinating is they they've lost trust in government. They've lost yeah. trust in education. They've lost trust in the medical complex. They've lost trust in large systems. But the largest trust they still have left is for individual CEOs and companies. So Hmm. if you have a brand that showcases the fact that you want to be an ethical brand and you prove to your customers that you are going to achieve that for them and that you're going to stay in an ethical place, that's actually right now one of the best opportunities we have. Interesting. So, um, you know, I'm I'm not saying capitalism is the is the perfect answer to everything. I'm not like a, a an absolute absolutist in that way. Sure. But I do think there is something to be said around sort of free true free, free market. market competition, yeah. true free market competition. Because what happens then is you give people the chance to make the decision about what they want to support on their own, and if that's truly operating in the right way, people can say, well, look, I support Pantagonia, like I like what they're doing, or I support this company that's, you know, providing a a supplement or a health product that I really believe in. And I, I watch the podcast with the CEO and I hear them talking about it and they seem like, Hey, that's an ethical person. I trust them. And so really, you know, they're either putting the trust in, in those companies or be quite honest, they're putting the trusts in influencers. Yeah. There's uh there's somebody that just in the BBC news, she just did, um, I'm, I'm, I can't recall her name, but she just did a thing called like, this is the ultimate era of the gurus because the gurus now are all spreading their messaging, but it's all through this. It's all through podcasting, social media, video, you know, YouTube channels, because people feel like, well, look, at least I can have a relationship with Scott. I mean, he talks to people. I hear you talk to somebody for hours and hours and hours, you know, on my headset and I kind of get a bit of a feel for who you are. Yeah. I they can know you better than they can know the president of the country. Right. Right. 
because they don't they, even because they know mind. that that person's always in cameras and they're always being they're putting on a show whereas like you know that's why joe rogan is maybe one of the most trusted people in the world which is kind of ridiculous no offense to joe i mean he's a great guy but it's kind of amazing and a little bit ridiculous that there's a guy who's a comedian who <laughs> doesn't have necessarily necessarily a background to be an expert anything and he self he says that himself all the time i'm not an expert i'm just the guy who's interested and in asking questions but people trust him because they figure out here's a guy who's just like me and he's trying to figure it out yeah and, and i think that's the the part that whether it's the economic system you mentioned around capitalism but it's more about the free market not capitalism you know capitalism is the methodology i would say free market is the application of it right. but but being able to do that in in a more constructive and ethical way um, to reclaim that trust, I think it's pretty yeah. interesting that that's the that you know corporations you know are have an opportunity to kind of step in and fill that void. Uh, that and I I'd like the idea of the influencer. It's interesting where it's you know for years you've been hearing about crowdsourcing, right? Um, but now it's like it's its own entity. Yeah. With the influencers involved yeah, because people don't trust what they read in the media they don't trust yeah. what they're being told you know even and and also too the world's changing so fast that even you know you someone writes a book you read the book the books are they, the world's already moved on you know what i mean yeah. whereas is is like a podcaster or a youtuber you can kind of be a bit more uh up to date with what's happening in real time but i mean the the problem is is the, the challenge we have to face is that these this is not going to, these systems alone will not solve the problem which we face. Yeah. We need institutions. We need regulation. We need, you know, like a strong educational system. I mean, that's essential, right? Like we have to educate people in a way. We have to disseminate information in meaningful ways to people, uh, especially like you said, you know, if you want to change behavior and get people healthy, you know, it's not the YouTubers that are going to get everyone there. It's There's got to be systems that are put in place. Like I said, the food additives that are illegal in Europe are legal in the U.S. Well, why is that, right? Mm -hmm. How do we change the system? How do we create incentives that are more generative for humanity? And, and we have to start yeah. getting a bit more deeply committed to being part of that change. Yeah. And so I think it's, it, it's an interesting point. I've had some of these similar thoughts and it's like, how do you, how do you reclaim that because of the distrust and then, and then get, get away from the factions that it's absolutists, right? You, yeah, absolutely. Oh yeah. That's the biggest, that's, that's, that's the whole, that's the false dichotomy, right? right. We're living in a false dichotomy. It's like this or that. No, no, no. But, and yeah, there, is no there is no medical, other, there is no other. Yeah. I mean, because even in, all right, we're talking health and wellness and medical and I lean holistic and naturopathic, right. there's most certainly a place for pharmaceutical. So, so it's not about like either, or let's have this like continuum of health where we are in our life. Okay. If I'm really bad state, I need to look at pharmaceutical, but part of the strategic plan of my health has to also be like, I can work my way back into like the foundations. Which well, is, yeah, if you just got in a car accident, you don't want a holistic practitioner. You want right. a surgeon, right? Like, right. you know, right. so so this is the thing. Yeah, people, I feel like, you know, I mean, because I work in that intersection between, like I said, between medicine, wellness, and fitness. And, and you know, I don't discount any of them. It's, it's all three have to work holistically together yep. because, you know, you need the mm -hmm. medical system, you need physicians, you need hospitals, you need pharmaceutical interventions. Um, and, and, you know, people often demonize, you know, right now, like everyone's lost, like, so, you know, unfortunately, because of the way things were conducted during the pandemic, like people are afraid to go to the hospital. Now they don't trust the doctors. They don't trust the medical institutions. And, you know, it, that's, that's going to cause a lot of death actually, yeah. because yeah. people are just going to delay care. And I, I want to, I, I want to be able to make sure that we look at how do we don't other these people, because this is what a lot of the podcasters are doing that I find very disturbing to me. Like I go and work with people from the CDC and the FDA and they're people like you and me, like they're just people, right? Yeah. These, these institutions are filled with people. And so you can go talk to them, you know, and if you really have a concern, well, then get involved. Don't just sit on 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 the Internet screaming at people. 
you, you don't like what's going on, well, be, start working for your local uh, politician or right. go run for office yourself yep. or yep. go figure out how can you start to have influence in these spaces? That's what I'm doing. Yep. I'm working to build collaborations where we can have influences because, you know, these things happen, but you, you can, you know, you can make changes. Like uh, I'm, I'm sure if you're in the health space, that one of the things I'm following uh, that may you, your audience may or may not be aware of, but if you're in trusted in like holistic health and wellness, um, the FDA and the FTC are going to start coming down on all of these companies that are making false claims. Yeah. Because there's companies that say, you know, take our product it will help you sleep better. And guess what? It's garbage. There's nothing in there. It's not helping anyone sleep. There's no studies. There's no validation. Right. Well, personally, I don't think that company should be allowed to sell that product and make millions of dollars lying to the public. Right. So I think regulation in that case is not a not a problem. I don't have I think that's a good thing. But you know, but then you you enter a a challenge, right? Because for example, I'm sure you've heard about the the NMN and NAC, the yeah. longevity supplements. Yep. Right. You've been following yep. that? Yeah, I am. Yeah. It's crazy with between that and I think there was another one recently. Um, CBD. They just said that they're gonna right, C B D will no longer the FDA is going to to no longer allow C B D to be sold purely as a supplement and it's gonna have to be regulated. And that's where I think, to me, when it, it perpetuates the very thing that we're talking about, which is the absolutists, and, and and then there's a lack of trust in the two institutions that are supposed to be monitoring and regulating, right? And then the application of degrees around the regulation. I, I totally I, agree. Yeah. So it's like all those, all that wellness stuff is garbage and it needs to be a medical product. Right. And then it turns into this either or thing again. And then yes. it, it shuts down the valid ones in the name of the, the, the few it's the old, you know, bad apple. Spools. Yeah. But, but the problem is you got to think about this from, from a real standpoint, right? So if you're really interested in true consumer protection and you're really interested in the efficacy of interventions, what do you do? Because these wellness companies are out there making all these crazy claims. And I see all these podcasters and influencers promoting products that I know for a fact are absolute garbage. And they they are promoting them. They have a downline, use my affiliate code and buy right. this product, get 10% off, blah, blah, blah. And so they're pushing this product and they're making money off of it. And the thing that I think is really ironic to me is, is how is that different from the pharmaceutical system that they, they say they hate? That there's a bunch of people out there incentivized to sell them this product right. because they're making money off of it. So you're saying, I trust the influencer who's making money selling me this product that I don't, that has no studies and no one has even tested it, but I trust them, but I don't trust the FDA. Right. Like that doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah. Because yeah. there's, the incentives are exactly the same. The, yeah, the, the, this this influencer wants to make money. The pharmaceutical company wants to make money. Yep. They're selling a product that you put in your body. They're selling another different product that you put in your body. Yeah. And, and, and be quite honest, the, at least the FDA product had to go through some type of clinical summer, study. Yeah. Yeah. Whether you and this wellness product procedure, at least there's something there that looks like somebody put some thought behind it. Yeah. Uh, and, and the it, argument people will throw out immediately is like, oh, yeah, but these studies are manipulated and they're all false and you can't trust it. So people are just in that place now where they yeah. that's their attitude. And, you know, so so mm -hmm. that's one of the things that I'm working very hard with with our team to try to change that perception and create a space where we can do double blind, placebo controlled clinical trials for wellness products. Mm -hmm. Because we believe that there's an opportunity here to actually conduct research to actually apply the scientific method and do it independently, right? Because again, we want to keep these wellness products unregulated by the FDA, but they need to have validation. They need to Perhaps get proven. Quality control and some kind of, right. Something that shows there's efficacy to it other than, yeah, yeah. yeah it's that slippery slope. Right. Um, and hopefully I'm not guilty of some of the affiliates. Cause I agree, you know, there's there and, and, this is again where it turns into, I think it turns into a negative economic conversation, which to me undermines the free market. And then it turns into over-regulating and vilifying money and resource, which right. is a need. But when, when misappropriated, I'll call it, um, it is a negative or misapplied. Right. Um, 
So yeah, it's definitely a, a, a mucky circumstance, but I, I appreciate you leaning in on, on just trying to get to the truth of the matter, uh, dealing with some facts and coming up hopefully with some wise methods and procedures. Um, because, you know, the government's way behind, uh, technology is way ahead. Society is somewhere. Yes. Um, yeah, that's, that's actually beautiful. That's a beautiful, um, point to just sort of double click on is that the, the, there's a, there's what's called the practice gap. So the science is there, right? So the science is like right now, probably 10 to 20 years ahead of the medical practice. Hmm. So doctors are talking, you know, providing pay, most doctors, there's some doctors that are on the cutting edge. You know, I go to these events where, you know, like uh, uh, SSRP and A4M, these events where these doctors are on the cutting edge of these things. So they're applying this the most current science to their patients but they've had to, to do that they've had to opt out of the medical system because medicare doesn't cover any of those interventions for longevity and health right so so the medical system medicare and insurance doesn't cover these interventions but there's doctors who are saying well look if you can pay me cash i'll give you peptide therapy i'll do stem cell injections i'll do you know all of these different therapeutic treatments and then i'll combine that with behavioral modification incentives mm -hmm. and we're going to get you healthy. Yes. And so, so, so there is a system where that is happening right now, but it's a cash pay system that, you know, is, is still relatively small. And unfortunately, most of the population just doesn't have access to it because it's not covered by insurance yeah. or Medicare. Yeah. Yeah. Cause at a financial, I've had many conversations with friends on that very topic and they're like, yeah, is it covered by insurance? And they're like, yeah, I can't. Yeah. Yeah. It's not. And it's, and that's unfortunate because, you know, and, and the other thing too, is that if you go to your standard GP, one of the things that people <laughs> can think about doing, if, you, if you're listening and you're interested in this, you can go to your standard GP, get every single, like convince your doctor, you need everything on your blood tested, like just every yeah. possible, get your hormones tested, get all of your labs, get everything you possibly done can get done. And then you can take that to somebody who knows how to read those labs, because what they say now is that you go to the doctor and they go, oh, your labs are within normal range. They're not optimal. Right. Right. So if you're interested in optimal ranges, that's a different conversation than normal. Right. So optimal ranges. So this is one of the big things that I, 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 I do. And I know a lot of people that are doing uh, as well is like looking at what are those optimal ranges and then deciding on you know, oh yeah, my vitamin D is a little lower than it, it is optimal, right? So I'm going to start, you know, just being more aware of that, get more sun exposure ideally, or if I can't make sure I'm supplementing, right? But the doctor may say, oh, your vitamin D levels within normal ranges. So you need to start like looking at that. And that's a, that's a relatively accessible way that people can start getting into this. And there's a lot of these lab tests now that are available at home that you can, that are not crazy expensive, but that you can test. You can do hormone tests. You can do microbiome tests. Yep. Uh, you know, we could get into testing. I have a whole presentation I do, which, which I call like the five factors of health uh, quantification, where we look at how to do those tests, you know, those the five different things you can test that you can start to sort of dial in. And that's the personal piece of your health. Okay. Yeah, that would be cool, whether it's here or even a second go around. But yeah, I'm all that's uh, where I am personally as well is is that testing you got to I've heard a number of people test on guests, right? Yeah. And I think I've heard you call it the citizen scientist. Yes. Um, yeah, I've actually it's funny. That's sort of the 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 moniker that I've been given because I don't have an MD or a PhD. So and nothing I say on this podcast is medical advice. Right. Talk to your doctor, right? Talk to a professional. Yeah. I'm not a uh, certified uh, basically in, in anything other than psychometrics and exercise science. I guess I got a diploma on that. Um, but I've been called a citizen scientist because I work with the doctors and the researchers and you know, clinical studies and I, I dive into the data and I've become a, a I guess, a recognized health educator and uh, I actually love that term. I, I, I wear it as a badge of honor because I do think that we all have the opportunity at the very least to become citizen scientists in our, of our own body Yeah. at the very least and, and mind, you know, and so, um, and that's maybe the term that I've adopted instead of calling myself a biohacker, if you will. And maybe we could just jump into yeah, that for a no, minute. Why, why I've dropped the term biohacker and yeah, I I'd love no to hear that. use it anywhere. Yeah. 
Well, after about, you know, five or maybe even six years of working in the biohacking space, uh, in this last year, I came, I was confronted by what is the end game of biohacking? And I'm before I tell you, I'm going to ask you, what do you think is the, what is the, what is the end? Where does biohacking lead at its ultimate end? Do you think? I, you know, honestly, I think it's, it's a nowhere because I think it's the individual. It stops at the individual and it's just more about um, biohacking yourself and understanding yourself. And I think it kind of stops there and maybe I don't so, understand it, but. So that's not where it led for me, at least cognitively or psychologically. I realized that if you really, really believe in the idea of biohacking, it leads to transhumanism. Oh. Because biohacking is making the assumption, the fundamental assumption. That's why biohacking started in Silicon Valley with all of the computer programmers. Because this fundamental assumption of biohacking is that your body is a machine and your brain is running algorithms. And all you have to do is figure out how to change this input to get a new output. Because mm. that's how code is written. Yeah. That's how computer code is written. Interesting. But as a biological organism, you are multifactorial. You are a complex system. And when you give an input, pharmaceutical drug is an input. What happens? You, you may fix that one output, but what happens? There's a cascade of consequences. Yep. Right? Yep. Same thing, even in the wellness space. It you look at a single way. input, yep. and then you think, oh, I'm going to get a new output, right? Because I'm a computer. I'm a machine. But you're not. You're it's a biological complex system. 40 trillion cells interrelated. Most of those 40 trillion cells are microbiota that that go back to the origins of, you know, pre-even human, right? And these 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 cellular structures make up your entire system. And so all of those 40 trillion cells, you do a new input and all of those different cells may have a different reaction to that input. So you can't look at yourself that simplistically. Yeah. And the ultimate end of that is if you're going to go down that path, then what you're going to do is the ultimate end is, you know, you're going to get Elon Musk's Neuralink put in. Yeah, I was going to say. Nanobots injected into your arm and they're going to go through and they're going to clean your body. And there's really no room for the human spirit in that. You're a machine. The body is machine, the brain is running algorithms, and there is no spirit. And that that's doesn't work for me anymore. Yeah, that that's a I appreciate that definition because that's that's super dangerous to me, that transhumanism concept. And uh and and yeah, that that's pretty fascinating. So that's why I disavowed myself of biohacking. Because if you even think about like who are the people that are the most into it are also, you know, either computer programmers or tech people or transhumanists. Yeah, because that's, you know, that's the idea. That's where it inevitably ends. So I, I've been I've been raining, unfortunately, on some biohackers parades recently by by sharing my views on this. But I do feel like after someone who was was pushing that term for four to five years. And when I came face to face with the fact that transhumanism is going to happen like now, like I don't know if you even heard this, but Neuralink is going to start doing clinical trials this year. They expect to get approved by the FDA really? this year, 2023. There will be post-humans on this planet. There will be people who are no longer purely organic humans. They will actually start to have implants in their brain. And this is not something people act like this is a science fiction thing 10, 20 years from now. This is going to start happening. I go to these conferences. I know the researchers. This stuff is going to happen very fast. We're about to enter a post-human era. Like we're just looking at the AI chat bots and thinking, you know, yeah, but that guess what? Like all of this is going to start being incorporated into the human experience. And AI and humans are at very close to starting to merge. And and as Elon Musk himself said, we're already de facto cyborgs. We just don't realize it. Everybody, almost every human, if you have a smartphone, you're a de facto yeah. cyborg. Your brain has been rewired into this device. And 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 he calls it an external cybernetic interface. And because every morning, what do you do? You put your you you act your brain it's about plugs in. Yeah, it plugs in to your external cybernetic interface. 
right? It's just the same thing in the matrix when they jack it into the back of the head. Yeah. You're doing the exact same thing. You're just holding it in your hand. Yeah. I'm sorry. I know I dropped the bomb on you. <laughs> you just it like just, froze for a minute. It just, uh, <laughs> that pause was not a technical difficulty. It was my brain just going sideways. But <laughs> so, so when I was confronted with the reality of this and I realized, you know, what is actually happening and how that's why I think, you know, the, they call it you know, Tristan Harris and the team, they call it the center for hum humane technology. Because we actually are living in an era of inhumane technology. It's actually transhuman technology. So, you know, now it's like, okay, how do we how do we create a relationship with technology that's humane for us, that's taking advantage, right? Because technology is not going to yeah, go away. Exactly. It's not going anywhere. But we have to yeah. live better with it because, you know, the last 20 years is a total dovetail, uh, but correlated is the consequence of the technology, right? Yes. With the blue light, the, the 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 rewiring of the brain, they're actually seeing synapses shift, especially with yes. the generation now that basically my kids are growing up with these things about attached to them from the age of two. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, it's like they're wired right into the internet. Like it's, so that's the thing. Like they are essentially the, this, this generation that's coming up now is essentially already wired into the internet. So they're, they would probably be okay. They'd probably be like, oh yeah, if you could just, I don't have to deal with the phone anymore. You'll just plug it right into my brain. That sounds great. Like they're, they're down with that, right? Yeah. It's only the, it's the previous generations that are not down with it. But these younger kids, they're, they're going to be like, oh, that'd be much easier if I yeah. don't have to use the phone. I could just do it straight through my brain. Awesome. You know, and so we need to ask ourselves as a society, are we okay with that? Like, do we think that's where we want humanity to go? Yeah. Yeah, and it really does start to turn into a bit of a moral and ethical conversation. Yes. Uh, yeah, and that's where we that's, that's so that's what we should be having now. Is we should right. be having the moral, we should be having a very nuanced, you know, not nuanced not or. not either or, right? Yep. Like not this or that. We should have being a very nuanced conversation is like, okay, that's what technology can offer us. We've experienced what it provides up until now. We've seen the implications cognitively physiologically right population has become way more sedentary most of us are sitting at desks looking at computers you mentioned blue light looking at screens all day disrupting melatonin production like all of the consequences of this like we just went into this gung-ho you know all excited right and and again that's what happens you know yeah, when the printing press was invest invented there were wars Right. And there was all these things that happened when new technology is introduced. Humanity has to go through a transitional period mm -hmm. where they figure out how to incorporate that into their society. And so we've gone. I think we've learned enough now that we can say, OK, look, this this is a cool thing, but it has its downsides at its side and it has its upside. Now, let's have a, a very good nuanced analysis of like how to go where to go from here. Yeah. And I think it circles back to some other key conversations we've had to this point of informed consent and right. fully understanding the context of things and then being able to make back down to that individual choice and being equipped with the information rather than directed, dictated, or omitting information that to, to guide a conversation that well, but the that continuum of information, but, and, and, and then again, that absolutist, it's like, Science has never been absolute, right? It's constantly changing. Right. Even within myself, like you mentioned the cells. Well, every seven years they regenerate. So right. I'm kind of a new person every seven years. Right. Well, depending on the organ system, yeah, they regenerate at different stages. But yeah, absolutely. And and the thing that's really interesting though, one of the big ethical questions and moral questions is that if we do have a post-human era, so we do have some people who choose for their own coming back to what you just said for their own individual choice that I'm going, I'm, I'm fine with Neuralink, like plug me in. I'm going to be a post-human. I'm going to take the AI. I'll get it plugged into my brain. Well, how do those people coexist? Right. Cause those people, if that kid gets a Neuralink in high school, when they go to college, right? Well, they can't compete with other kids. They're going to be so they're literally going to, their brain is going to be completely different yeah. than kids that choose not to get the Neuralink implant. 
Yeah, well, how do we build a society about that? Like right? that's where a lot of the that's where we enter like dystopian sci-fi territory, right? Where there's yeah. like this group of like enhanced humans that are like living in you know a satellite that goes between us and Mars, and then like there's the, the there's there's like the you know the the plebs you know living on the planet like sort of struggling for survival in a very like uh, you know uh, uh, primordial you know primeval state, you know. Yeah. And so that's where we could go, right? We could go in that direction or we could create some type of more um, balanced world. And and that's why this is an inflection point. That's why this time is so important. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. The magnitude of what's happening and how few people realize it is uh, pretty alarming. Well, coming back to what we said before so you have some people that are i think are kind of just overwhelmed by what's happening right so there's there's a lot of people that and they're they're the ones that are kind of in some way suffering the worst you know they're they're feel, feeling the extreme anxiety and depression then you have a lot of people that are just sort of walking around and they meet and they're just kind of like just in denial they just want to live their life like just leave me alone let me live my life i'm gonna to go to my job i'm gonna take care of my family yeah and i'm just gonna sort of pretend none of that is happening and the problem with that is, is that, you know, when we live in a state of cognitive dissonance, right, that's, that's, that's what the matrix film is all about. Like there's a splinter inside your mind, you know, like there's something, you know, that's not quite right. And how do you, you know, and, and yet you haven't been able to identify what it is. And that's where a lot of people are, you can struggle in that space for a lot of time. And then there's people who kind of see what's going on and they're just freaking out right? Like this is all the people screaming on the internet and screaming at each other and screaming at the world. And, you know, uh, and that's another option. It's like a third option. Um, but another option is to like, be aware of what's going on and say, okay, well, look, start with yourself, like in your family, right? What can you control in your environment? So we're going to make choices. We're going to make sure we get healthy food. If you're fortunate enough to have the economic opportunity, you know, you get healthy food, you sleep well, you exercise, you have the right mindset, you do the things to take care of yourself and and control your immediate environment what you can but i i've come to the conclusion because i've been doing that myself for the last few years but i've come to the personal conclusion and i think it's true for all of us is that that's not enough because this problem requires those of us who can see what's happening to actually do something yeah. and get involved yeah and this is where i think you know this is where you can i realize what's going on but don't just like build your bunker in your home right or just don't don't just go buy farmland in montana and like say oh it's not going to affect me i'm going to go live on my ranch because yeah. that's not that's we can't that's not going to work yeah it's not going to work so it's like okay roll up your sleeves you know if you're into politics then go get into you know run for office at least very at the very least you know you can have a lot of influence and i've i've seen this in my life you can have a lot of influence at the municipal level like if mm -hmm. you get involved with like your city council yeah. or your school board or something very local like you can actually have a lot of influence on your local community so if you want if that's motivating to you start there right? If you want to go bigger, then go bigger. If you want to have an influence, so, so the area I want to have influence on personally, and that I'm working with my teams and collaborators is to have the influence on, as best we can on, like I said, improving the wellness system, making the wellness industry more efficacious, trying to prove the fact that we have really good cutting edge, new things that are coming out that should not be FDA regulated, but we should be allowed to self-administer these to our, uh, as, a, as a group, but we still have to prove them. Yeah. And so we've launched the company on this, actually. I haven't really spoken about this publicly, but we have a company called Proven. We're actually already doing this. It's kind of in stealth mode. And uh, if you follow me, you know, for those of you listening, if you follow me on LinkedIn, you'll, you know, this, which is the only social media network I still use because I feel like uh, it's not as uh, polarizing. Yeah. That's awesome because I was just going to ask you, like, we need this third party independent body of some sort that would be functioning similar to, but not organized or, or orchestrated by the government. Right. As similar weighted authority of trust that, that they're going to objectively assess things and make it cost effective. Because as I've also heard yes. from supplement companies that it's too, yes, they don't, it's just so extraordinarily yeah, it's prohibitive. It's absolutely prohibitive. Yeah. It's another whole question of, okay, why is it prohibitive? 
right? Well, because the standards of, of what you, the standards that you need to meet for drug discovery have just sort of progressively gone up and up and up over the decades. And, and that's, yeah, that's, that's another complicated conversation. Yeah. But the fact remains that you can do clinical research, uh, clinical grade research at a lower price. Um, and, you know, and, and I mean, it, and it is something that you can also you can also do that in such a way that you're meeting that threshold, but you know, because you're not trying to get this to treat a disease, like that's the main thing. The FDA, when they're looking at a pharmaceutical is looking to treat a disease, a wellness product does not want to treat a disease. It may want to do something to like improve optimize function. a state, right? Improve function. Or to improve, yeah, improve function. Exactly. So, uh, so when you look at that difference, that's a pretty big difference. And so that's why the barrier doesn't necessarily need to be the same for mm -hmm. even the, the levels. You don't need to do phase one, phase two, phase three, you know, although, you know, it is good for us to test because again, one of the things you don't even think about these wellness products, they have no safety testing. Yeah. None. Like, yeah. like usually what you have to do to get a drug approved is it has to go into animal models just to make sure that the compound isn't toxic. Yeah. And anybody can release a, a supplement onto the market and they've never tested if it's toxic to organic or the tissues. manufacturing process, right? Let alone that, because like I've seen recently, even ones that are trusted that I would have that I use and have used, they're seeing, you know, metal. Yeah. There's you know yeah, there's no toxicology studies on these right. things. And then and then you also don't have on the final configuration of the product. I'm sorry. On the final configuration of the product, you're supposed to, you know, have uh, some quality control, like you said, like, oh, you know, maybe this batch, because again, there's no requirements that batch could be a bad batch, and it's like a poor quality. So, you know, this is this is what we want to change. And we believe we can do this. And we can do this in conjunction with you know, institutions like the FTC, because the FDA regulates drugs, right? So we're not going to go there, right? We don't want to touch that. We're not a drug discover. We're not a, a drug company. We're not a mm -hmm. CRO. Right. The FTC regulates the wellness industry. And that's basically because it's the Federal Trade Commission. It's to protect consumers. So if you think about it, if supplement companies are releasing products, like you said, with heavy metals in it, well, the FTC, people will be upset if the FTC doesn't catch them and doesn't prevent them from from releasing that product so there is a space here where we do kind of need a regulator the problem is is public doesn't trust it and so how do we you know but 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 we want to work with the ftc i'm not saying i don't distrust the ftc at all i don't trust just trust the fda they're people they're doing the, the their jobs right they're trying to protect the population and they're being demonized for it and you know it, that's a problem too yeah yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it, at worst, hopefully it's good intentions misapplied, right? You know, it, it's trying to make sure the integrity is there. Yeah. Maybe the methods have not been optimal, but at least it's directionally correct in, in attempting to do something along those lines. So let's be thoughtful instead of, again, the absolutist that we get yeah. in social media of you, you, you can't. And I think that's part of the challenge is you're not allowed to be a human being in those moments of making mistakes because then right. you get hammered for making a mistake and vilified and people lose their jobs immediately. Oh, yeah. You say one wrong thing 20 years ago that was right. captured on camera, one yeah. tweet that was, you know, perceived, but, and it, it's, you get cancel like that, that, that retroactive cancelization is like ridiculous. Like this was, this was something I could say 20 years ago, but now it's like not acceptable. And right. so you get canceled today for what you said 20 years ago. Like that's a very hard standard to live by. It's impossible. It's just not rational. Uh, so hopefully we can, you know, I think I agree. We're in an inflection point. It's we're, right now, though, it feels like chaos because of it. Uh, yes. but I think there's definitely opportunity that, you know, uh, you know, I would say it's the American way we come out of the, come out like a Phoenix. And exactly, exactly. The whole idea. And, and this is why I don't know if you even know this, but originally I'm from Canada. I've lived all over the world. And this is why I choose to be in America, because at the end of the day, this is still the place where an individual can you know to use the the classic classic expressions you know pull themselves up by their bootstraps roll up their sleeves and get to work and you can change things so right now 
this is why I guess this is kind of my mission is the, that twofold mission is like, okay, I'm a health educator. I want to tell people what they can do to empower themselves to be healthier, but I no longer see that as enough. It's now, okay. Once you kind of got, you know, it's, it's the, the classic example that's always used, right? It's once you're in the airplane, you get your own mox oxygen mask on first, right? Right. So right. get your health dialed in because you won't be able to give anybody anything if you're yeah. not in a good place physically and mentally and get your own self dialed in and then start to help others. hundred percent. I, I love that. Um, serve yourself first to serve others. Cause I mean, yeah. uh, so I love it. Elias, uh, I know I could keep talking and bantering, uh, with you on all these things. We've, uh, actually gone over on time, but yeah, thank you so much for all that you're doing. I love where you're headed. Um, personally it aligns and I'm going to keep following you and, hopefully getting some advice from you. Uh, all right. Yeah. How can folks find you and learn more about all that you're, you're talking about? Um, a couple different places, I guess my personal website, uh, eliasergen.com. So just my name.com, uh, the, the company that we've launched, that's doing this, um, clinical research for wellness companies is called proven P R U V N.io. Uh, so proven.io. And then if you're interested in the uh, health span ecosystem that we're building, which is uh, 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 in it, there's an industry aspect. So for people that are already in the industry, you can join it. Uh, but then there's also public events that we're doing. So that's a healthspanevents.com. So just healthspanevents.com. Awesome. Uh as you may recall, I ended on uh, a couple personal notes, uh, hot seat. So what, oh, yes, that's right. What are you reading right now? Uh, oh, I've always got a couple different books going. Uh, I've been re I've been making my way through two very heavy books, uh, gradually because they're extremely thought provoking as uh, the master and his emissary by Ian McGilchrist. I don't know if you ever heard of that book. Brilliant book, brilliant thesis. I think, uh, but it is very kind of, it was written originally for academics. He didn't think the general public would get into it. It's brilliant. And then I'm also reading um, Surveillance Capitalism by Shoshona Zuboff, who is the one who talks about the, a lot of the, how we ended up in this mess because the, uh, what happened at Google that turned them into, you know, cause they started with the, 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 their first tagline was don't be evil <laughs> and then google became quite evil so she kind of outlines what happens and what the meaning is there i would really encourage everyone to read that book interesting i think i'm just going to add that one to my list uh okay what are you listening to right now be it music or podcast uh music i mean i have my workout playlist that i listen to which is a lot of like uh uh sometimes like 90s uh heavy metal uh, sometimes I'm working with like ACDC and stuff like that. I, it's one of my playlists or sometimes I listen to uh, even some of the old school like rap and hip hop or even dance music, you know, that's a little bit older uh, showing my age here. Uh, and then podcasts. I mean, I think some of the podcasts that I've really gotten into lately, uh, I really love that there's these hard science podcasts that have become popular, like with Peter Atia and uh, Andrew Huberman. Yeah. I just think those are, I love those because these are people that have become sort of pop culture icons, but providing really good yeah. scientific insights. And those are influencers that I can recommend and trust. 100%. Yeah. And they do an amazing, they're great teachers too. Yeah. They're able to distill this complex information and make it tangible uh, and understandable. So awesome. And then, all right, what's your go-to restroom recovery method right now? Uh, every night I have a 10 minute protocol I do on my vibration plate. So I have a standing vibration plate and I do my Theragun. I do a full body Theragun treatment every night, 10 minutes before bed to get myself wow. primed for sleep. And it just works like a charm. That's like, if I had to give up everything else in my life and was only allowed to keep one protocol, like that would be the one that I would really, take. okay. Yeah. And so I know you do this because, you know, you're a citizen scientist, but you track everything. So yeah. did you see an improvement in, in things like HRV and, and sleep quality? I definitely, I think what's the biggest thing is I notice when I don't do it, how badly okay. it affects my sleep now, because it's become such a habitual protocol. 
if I don't do it, I notice that, yeah, I get more awakenings during the night. So my sleep, I'm way more restless at night because my nervous system, my parasympathetic nervous system gets very activated by that treatment. Mm -hmm. So I get more awakenings. I have more disrupted sleep patterns. Uh, I often get, yeah, I get less deep sleep. So I now notice the difference when I don't do it rather than when I do. Awesome. Cool. Elias, thank you, sir. Appreciate you. Thank you for giving me the time, Scott. Uh, we got into a lot today. I hope uh, people get something useful from something we said. Yeah, I, I think they did. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Rest and Recovery Podcast. Please share this information far and wide. Rate, review, would appreciate all of the support. Uh, and thank you so much for listening. Uh, you can also check out episodes on any of your favorite podcast platforms, such as Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Or you can check out the website at www.berestedbewell.com. Thanks and have a great day.